Act Five of Ion by Thomas Noon Talford. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Five. Scene One The Terrace of the Palace. Time The Morning of the Second Day. Two soldiers on guard. A stirring season, comrade. Our new prince has leapt as eagerly into his seat as he had languished an expectant heir, weary of nature's kindness to old age. He was esteemed a modest stripling, strange that he should, with such reckless hurry, seize the gaudy shows of power. Tis honest nature. The royal instinct was but smouldering in him, and now it blazes forth i pray the gods he may not give us cause to mourn his sire no more he comes enter ion center why do ye loiter here are all the statues decked with festal wreaths as i commanded we have been on guard here by agenor's order since the nightfall on guard well hasten now and see it done i need no guards excellent soldiers the awful hour draws near i am composed to meet it phocion comes he will unman me. Yet he must not go, thinking his presence painful. Enter Phocion left. Friend, good morrow. Thou playest the courtier early. Canst thou speak in that old tone of common cheerfulness that blithely promises delightful years and hold thy mournful purpose? I have drawn from the selectest fountain of repose a blessed calm. When I lay down to rest, I feared lest bright remembrances of childhood should with untimely visitation mock me but deep and dreamless have my slumbers been if sight of thee renews the thoughts of life too busily i prize the love that wakes them oh i cherish them and let them plead with thee to grant my prayer that thou wouldst live for argos not die for her thy gracious life shall win more than thy death the favour of the gods and charm the marble aspect of grim fate into a blessed change i who am vowed and who so late was armed fate's minister implore thee speak to me no more of life there is a dearer name i would recall thou understandest me enter agenor left thou hast forgotten to name who shall be bidden at this evening's feast the feast most true i had forgotten it bid whom thou wilt but let there be a large store if our sad walls contain it for the wretched whom hunger palsies it may be few else will taste it with a relish exit agenor left ion resumes his address to phocion and continues it broken by the interruptions which follow i would speak a word of her who yestermorn rose to her light duties with as blithe a heart as ever yet its equal beating veiled in moveless alabaster plighted now in liberal hour to one whose destiny shall freeze the sources of enjoyment in it and make it heavy with a lifelong pang a widowed spirit bears enter cleon left the heralds wait to learn the hour which the solemn game shall be proclaimed the gains yes i remember that sorrow's darkest pageantries give place to youth's robustest pastimes death and life embracing at the hour of noon the wrestlers pray thee crown the victor 
if i live their wish shall govern me exit cleon left could i recall one hour and bid thy sister think of me with gentle sorrow as a playmate lost i should escape the guilt of having stopped the pulse of hope in the most innocent soul that ever passion ruffled do not talk of me as i shall seem to thy kind thoughts but harshly as thou canst and if thou still from thy rich store of popular eloquence some bitter charge against the faith of kings twill be an honest treason enter cassander right pardon me if i entreat thee to permit a few of thy once cherished friends to bid thee joy of that which swells their pride they'll madden me dost thou not see me circled round with care urge me no more as cassander is going ion leaves Sosion and comes to him come back cassander see how greatness frets the temper keep this ring it may remind thee of the pleasant hours that we spent together ere our fortunes grew separate and with thy gracious speech excuse me to our friend exit cassander right tis time we seek the temple Phocion, must i to the temple there sacrificial rites must be performed before thou art enthroned then must i gaze on things which will arouse the struggling thoughts i had subdued perchance may meet with her whose name i dare not utter i am ready excellent at left scene two the temple clemanthe and abra discovered be comforted dear lady he must come to sacrifice recall that churlish word that stubborn must that bounds my living hopes as with an iron circle he must come how piteous its affection's state that cleaves to such a wretched prop i had flown to him long before this but that i feared my presence might prove a burthen and he sends no word no token that he thinks of me art sure that he must come the hope has torture in it yet it is all my bankrupt heart hath left to feed upon i see him now with phocion pass through the inner court he will not come this way then to the place for sacrifice i can endure no more speed to him abra and bid him if he holds clemanthe's life worthy a minute's loss to seek me here dear lady do not answer me but run or i shall give yon crowd of sycophants to gaze upon my sorrow exit abra left it is hard yet i must strive to bear it and find solace in that high fortune which has made him strange he bends this way but slowly mournfully oh he is ill how has my slander wronged him enter ion left what wouldst thou with me lady is it so nothing my lord save to implore thy pardon that the departing gleams of a bright dream from which i scarce had wakened made me bold to crave a word with thee but all are fled and i have naught to seek a goodly dream but thou art right to think it no more and study to forget it to forget it indeed my lord i cannot wish to lose what being past is all my future hath all i shall live for do not grudge me this the brief space i shall need it speak not fair one in a tone so mournful 
for it makes me feel too sensibly the hapless wretch I am, the trouble, the deep quiet of thy soul, in that pure fountain which reflected heaven, for a brief taste of rapture. Dost thou yet esteem it rapture, then? My foolish heart be still, yet wherefore should a crown divide us? Oh, my dear Ion, let me call thee so, this once at least. It could not in my thoughts increase the distance that there was between us, when, rich in spirit, thou to strangers' eyes seemed a poor foundling. It must separate us. Think it no harmless bauble, but a curse, will freeze the current in the veins of youth, and from familiar touch of genial hand, from household of pleasures, from sweet daily task, from airy thought, free wanderer of the heavens, for ever banish me. Thou dost accuse thy state too hardly. It may give some room, some little space, amid its radiant folds, for love to make its nest in. Not for me. My pomp must be most lonesome, far removed from that sweet fellowship of humankind the slave rejoices in. My solemn robes shall wrap me as a panoply of ice, and the attendants who may throng around me shall want the flatteries which may basely warm the sceptral thing they circle. Dark and cold stretches the path, which, when I wear the crown, I needs must enter. The great gods forbid that thou shouldst follow in it. Oh, unkind! And shall we never see each other? Ion, after a pause. Yes. I have asked that dreadful question of the hills that look eternal, of the flowing streams that lucid flow forever, of the stars amid whose fields of azure my raised spirit hath trod in glory, all were dumb. But now, while I gaze upon thy living face, I feel the love that kindles through its beauty can never wholly perish. We shall meet again, Clemente. Bless thee for that name. Call me that name again. Thy words sound strangely, yet they breathe kindness. Shall we meet indeed? Think not I would intrude upon thy cares, thy counsels, or thy pomps, to sit at distance, to weave, with the nice labor which preserves the rebel pulses even, from gay threads, faint records of thy deeds, and sometimes catch the falling music of a gracious word, or the stray sunshine of a smile, will be comfort enough. Do not deny me this, or, if stern fate compel thee to deny, kill me at once. No, thou must live, my fair one. There are a thousand joyous things in life which shall pass unheeded in a life of joy as thine hath been, till breezy sorrow comes to ruffle it, and daily duties paid hardly at first, at length shall bring repose to the sad mind that studies to perform them. <laughs> Thou dost not mark me. Oh, I do, I do. If for thy brother's and thy father's sake thou art content to live, the healer time will reconcile thee to the lovelier things of this delightful world. And if another, a happier... No, 
I cannot bid thee love another. I did think I could say it, but tis in vain. Thou art my own, then, still? I am thy own. Thus let me clasp thee nearer. O oh, joy, too thrilling and too short. Enter Aginor right. My lord, the sacrificial rites await thy presence. I come. One more embrace. The last. The last. In this world. Now. Farewell. Exeunt Aginor and Ion. The last embrace. Then he has cast me off. No, tis not so. Some mournful secret of his fate divides us. I'll struggle to bear that and snatch a comfort from seeing him uplifted. I will look upon him on his throne. Minerva's shrine will shelter me from vulgar gaze. I'll hasten and feast my sad eyes with his greatness there. Exit right. Scene three. The great square of the city. On the left, a throne of state prepared. On the right, an altar. The statues decorated with garlands. Enter Tassiphon and Cassander, right upper entrance. Vex me no more by telling me, Cassander, of his fair speech. I prize it at its worth. Thou'lt see how he will act when seated firm upon the throne the craven tyrant filled whose blood he boasts, unless some honest arm should shed it first. Hast thou forgot the time when thou thyself wert eager to foretell his manhood's glory? from his childish virtues let me not think thee one of those fond prophets who are well pleased still to foretell success so it remains their dream thou dost forget what has chilled fancy and delight within me music at a distance hark servile trumpet speak his coming watch how power will change him they stand aside the procession Enter upper entrance right, Medon, Agenor, Phocion, Timocles, Cleon, sages, and people. Ion last in royal robes. He advances amidst shouts. I thank you for your greeting. Shout no more, but in deep silence raise your hearts to heaven, that it may strengthen one so young and frail as I am for the business of this hour. Must I sit here? Permit thy earliest friend, who has so often propped thy tottering steps, to lead thee to thy throne, and thus fulfil his fondest vision. Thou art most kind. Nay, do not think of me. My son, my son, what ails thee? When thou shouldst reflect the joy of Argos, the strange paleness of the grave marbles thy face am i indeed so pale it is a solemn office i assume and yet thus with phoebus's blessing i embrace it sits on the throne stand forth agenor i await thy will to thee i look as to the wisest friend of this afflicted people thou must leave awhile the quiet which thy life hath earned to rule our councils, fill the seats of justice with good men, not so absolute in goodness as to forget what human frailty is, and order my sad country. Pardon me. Nay, 
I will promise tis my last request. Thou never couldst deny me what I sought in my boyish wantonness, and shall not grudge thy wisdom to me till our state revive from its long anguish. And it will not be long if heaven approve me here. Thou hast all power, whether I live or die. Die, I am old. Death is not jealous of thy mild decay, which gently wins thee his. Exulting youth provokes the ghastly monarch's sudden stride, and makes his horrid fingers quick to clasp his shivering prey at noontide. Let me see the captain of the guard. I kneel to crave, humbly the favor which thy sire bestowed, on one who loved him well. I cannot thank thee that wakest the memory of my father's weakness, but I will not forget that thou hast shared the light enjoyments of a noble spirit, and learn the need of luxury. I grant for thee and thy brave comrades ample share of such rich treasures as my stores contain, to grace thy passage to some distant land, where, if an honest cause engage thy sword, may glorious laurels wreath it. In our realm we shall not need it longer. Dost intend to banish the firm troops before whose valor barbarian millions shrink appalled, and leave our city naked to the first assault of reckless foes? No, Cryphes, in ourselves, and our own honest hearts and chainless hands will be our safeguard. While we seek no use of arms, we would not have our children blend with their first innocent wishes, while the love of Argos and of justice shall be one to their young reason, while their sinews grow firm midst the gladness of heroic sports. We shall not ask to guard our country's peace one selfish passion or one venal sword. I would not grieve thee, but thy valiant troop, for I esteem them valiant, must no more, with luxury which suits a desperate camp, infect us. See that they embark, Agenor, ere night. My lord! No more. My word hath passed. Maidon, there is no office I can add to those thou hast grown old in. Thou wilt guard the shrine of Phoebus, and within thy home, thy too delightful home, befriend the stranger as thou didst me. There sometimes waste the thought on thy spoiled inmate. Think of thee, my lord. Long shall we triumph in thy glorious reign. Prithee, no more. Argives, I have a boon to crave of you. Whene'er I shall join in death the father from whose heart in life stern fate divided me, think gently of him. For ye who saw him in his full-blown pride knew little of affections crushed within and wrongs which frenzied him. Yet nevermore let the great interest of states depend upon the thousand chances that may sway a piece of human frailty. Swear to me that you will seek hereafter in yourselves the means of sovereign rule. Our narrow space, so happy in its confines, so compact, needs not the magic of a single name 
which wider regions may require to draw their interest into one, but, circled thus, like a blessed family, by simple laws, may tenderly be governed, all decrees moulded together as a single form of nymph-like loveliness, which, finest chords of sympathy pervading shall suffuse in times of quiet with one bloom, and fill with one resistless impulse, if the host of foreign powers should threaten. Swear to me that ye will do this. Wherefore ask this now? Thou shalt live long. The paleness of thy face, which late appalled me, is grown radiant now, and thine eyes kindle with the prophecy of lustrous years. The gods approve me, then. Yet will I use the function of a king, and claim obedience. Promise, if I leave no issue, that sovereign power will live in the affections of a general heart, and in the wisdom of the best. Medan and others kneeling. We, we swear, swear it. Hear and record the oath, immortal powers. Now give me leave a moment to approach that altar unattended. He goes to the altar. Gracious gods, in whose mild service my glad youth was spent, look upon me now. And if there is a power, as at this solemn time I feel there is, beyond ye, that hath breathed through all your shapes the spirit of the beautiful that lives in earth and heaven, to ye I offer up this conscious being, full of life and love for my dear country's welfare, let this blow end all her sorrows. Stabs himself and falls. Tassiphon rushes to support him. Tassiphon, thou art avenged, and wilt forgive me. Thou hast plucked the poor disguise of hatred from my soul, and made me feel how shallow is the wish of vengeance. Could I die to save thee? Clementhe rushes forward. Hold, let me support him. Stand away. Indeed, I have the best right, although ye know it not, to cling to him in death. This is a joy I did not hope for. This is sweet indeed. Bend thy eyes on me. And for this it was thou wouldst have weaned me from thee? Couldst thou think I would be so divorced? Thou art right, Clemente. It was a shallow and an idle thought. Tis past. No show of coldness frets us now. No vain disguise, my love. Yet thou wilt think on that which, when I feigned, I truly said. Wilt thou not, sweet one? I will treasure all. Enter Eris left. I bring you glorious tidings. No joy can enter here. Yes. Is it as I hope? The pestilence abates. Ion springs on his feet. Do ye not hear? Why shall ye not? Ye are strong. 
Think not of me. Hearken. The curse of my ancestry had spread o'er Argos is dispelled. Agenor, give this gentle youth his freedom, who hath brought sweet tidings that I shall not die in vain. And Madon, cherish him as thou hast one who, dying, blesses thee. My own Clemente, let this console thee also. Argos lives. The offering is accepted. All is well. Dies. The curtain falls. End of Act Five. End of Ion by Thomas Noon Talford.